Assalamu alaikum. Welcome back to season one, episode three of our brand new podcast, Learning from Our Legends. I'm Layla. And I'm Nina. And today's episode is called The First Mother of the Believers, who is Khadija bint Khuwailid, aka the Prophet Wasallam's first wife. Now, before we get into today properly, we'll have a little catch up. How has your detox? I bet you everybody's waiting for this one. So actually, we've actually banned each other from speaking about this because we've seen <laughs> each other quite a few times over the last few days. And she keeps saying, I'm going to ask you about it on the podcast. So um, I said I was going to delete certain apps last time. I'll be honest, I actually did at one point. Okay. And then I had to reinstall them almost straight away. Huh? Um, Instagram I had to reinstall because I was speaking to someone on Instagram and I completely forgot. Oh. Yeah. But Instagram, like I mentioned earlier, wasn't the problem. And I I don't use Instagram reels or anything. So it's never mm. been a situation where I really um, scroll on it. Yeah. I think I've done quite well with my Instagram feed because mm. it's quite wholesome. Yeah. Like, I feel like TikTok, I see so much rubbish and just a lot of waste of time. But mm. with Instagram, I haven't really had that. So wait, how long did that last for then? Um, I was off it completely for a few days. Okay. And then I was, um, I've was i got back on it, but like I said, even before, yeah, it's not been a problem. It, yeah. You're kind of doing what I've done. Yeah, so TikTok wastes a lot of my time. And what I did is I deleted it and then I reinstalled it to post the promotion for this. But I, yeah. I'm i completely out of my other account. Okay. Yeah, and so I don't want to mess up the algorithm of our podcast account, so I'm not using it. Okay. So I'm basically off TikTok. And yeah. Baraka on your time? I've I've definitely seen my screen time go down. <laughs> yeah, and I, well, yeah, there must be more barakah in my time as well because I do feel like I'm wasting less time on my phone. Yeah. Um, but I'm quite a fidgety person, so I feel like sometimes I just pick up my phone looking for something to do. Yeah, that's me right now. Like I would literally go scrolling on my emails. Who scrolls on their emails for no reason? I don't know, man. Maybe what my dream. It's to open all my unread emails, just so it goes to zero. But there's about 60,000, I kid you not. Anyway, how has your Qur'an been so far? Oh, I was doing so well, and then it just went downhill. And I have so many drizzles to catch up on. I had, like, two drizzles to catch up on Yeah. Um, yesterday. I managed to finish it off this morning. That's good. But I realised for me to actually finish the Qur'an this Ramadan, mm-hmm. I need to... Be- be reading two dresses a day for seven days i see yeah so i think today i might just do it one just mm. maybe tomorrow depending how busy i am another just and then inshallah just put my head down because now inshallah. i'm not working i'm not that busy so hopefully it would work and fyi yesterday was the 22nd night <sighs> we, we were arguing in the message about this I, I i was not i did not mention day once i but, just said the night but Layla. Listen. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> when we start Ramadan, it technically starts on the night when we pray Tarawih. Yeah. No, it starts at Maghrib time. You do your first juz after Maghrib. That's why I was asking. Okay, but you know when we prayed the first Tarawih before yeah. we even started fasting, that's what you classify as the first night, right? Yeah. Okay, that's why it's the twenty second. But I'm thinking about like day wise, so it becomes the twenty. It was the twenty first, and it only becomes. But I was 22nd. saying night so many times, but it. You were still okay. But you know what was hilarious? You checked and then you looked so shocked that it actually was the 21st as well. I know, and then I got into the car. 
<laughs> okay, anyways, today is the 23rd. 22nd day, 23rd night. Yes. Inshallah. Inshallah. Um, That's crazy. Ramadan has really flown by. Yeah, I'm feeling like this whole last week just ran away. I feel like we did the last episode not long ago. Yeah. it's And that was like the fourth day of Ramadan. Yeah, and even then I was confused about the day. I was like four or five. <laughs> I was literally telling her that. I was like, you were confused from the get-go. Yeah, but you know what you're saying about... Um, having to do two just a day now to catch up yeah so when we did our uh our first podcast in ramadan yeah yeah the last one i was also behind Mm -hmm. and so i was playing catch up for a good 10 days to be honest so i was reading about a juz and a bit each day Mm. um but no i was saying i was in the masjid and i was sat next to this woman who was just reading like she was she was reading properly and she was reading slowly and she wasn't reading like looking at with, the book. Yeah, with the book. Uh, she wasn't. She had like the Quran as a prompt. Yeah, and she was turning the pages, but she was also like looking around a little bit and just enjoying it properly. Like it wasn't like a lot of concentration yeah. in reading, and you can only really read like that when, when you memorize. Yeah. And then I was asking her how much she's reading, and she literally told me she's reading fifteen juz a day, and. I'm still in shock, to be honest. 15 juz. Like, even the Sahaba read 10. I mean, the thing... The f- but how long did it take? Well, I was sat with in the masjid with her from Asr to... To... About Aisha time was yeah. when she got up. And in that... In those four or five hours, she must have read about nine juz. So that's yeah. like roughly two and a half juz per hour. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I don't know if she reads that much every day, but like if you're in the masjid for that long. Yeah, it makes sense. Because I'm not going to lie, when I have to catch up and I go tarawih or khiyam, it's a bit more easier to catch yeah, up. Yeah, I feel like in the masjid, there's a different sort of blessing and a barakah that comes with it. Because when I need to hit certain Quran targets, if I'm in the masjid, I'm much more likely to do them. Mm. And I feel like that's something I've really found this Ramadan that I did not take advantage of before this Ramadan. So, anything else to share? Hmm. So you'll be off work for the next few days? No, I think I might be taking two weeks off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, it's time to rest. And it's obviously, it's going to become, it's going to be Eid soon as well. Yeah. So, preparing for Eid, I still have uni. Oh, yeah. Exams. So, it's just a lot to prepare for. So, I think I'm going to just take a break from work and just focus on myself and uni work. Fair enough. What about you? So I am probably, I'm probably still going to be working, but it's, I, I think I'm just waiting for the summer now and then yeah. I'll be free. Like I'll free up work as well. Um, During summer? Yeah. Oh, okay. Inshallah. Because I've got a lot of um, prep I need to do for ne- for my next year of uni. Yeah. Um, So I'm going to have to spend a lot of the summer like working on that. Okay, Inshallah. So back to today's episode and it kind of stemmed from um, a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ about the four best women in paradise. So Ibn Abbas reported that the Messenger of Allah ﷺ said the best of women amongst the people of paradise are Khadija bint Khuwaylid, so his first wife, Fatima bint Muhammad, which is his youngest daughter, I believe. Mm. Maryam bint Amran, which is the mother of Isa, mm-hmm. and Asiya bint 
Muzahim, the wife of Fir'aun, who basically raised Musa salam. And as always, we're going to put the references in the description, so don't worry about that. But this is graded Sahih. So basically, I think, well, why did we, why did we want to start with these four women in particular? I feel like their stories are very inspiring. And I think the fact that they were promised a house in Jannah is, is a big... Were they promised a house in Jannah? Yeah, most of them. Uh, Asiya was promised a house in Jannah. Khadija, Khadija was as well. As well. And I think Fatima and... Um, Maryam were as well. Maryam. I think that's why they're known as the four women who were promised... Oh, maybe not a house. Who were promised Jannah. But They were promised Jannah, I know that. But I don't know about the house. Asiya was Khadija. I know Asiya was because she asked Allah for one and Khadija was because there's a hadith we'll yeah. talk about later. I'm not sure about the other two. I'll look into it. Okay, look into it. And we're going to be doing Khadija radiallahu and her story in two parts. So we'll get back to you on that one for next, for the next part. Yeah. Um, but there are so many hadith on her and who she was. But before we get into... Well, actually, we'll do it as we go. We're going to kind of break down the storyline. And I think this was this was quite useful for me as well, because I thought I knew her story, but there were clearly so some many, big gaps. Yeah. Yeah. And when we were doing research for this episode, I like, I found out so many things that I'd either forgotten or actually didn't know completely. Yeah, I found out like just reading from the book, there was quite a few things I just didn't know. Yeah, there's a certain book that we've been using as well that for a lot of this episode and we'll also recite that yeah um but it's written by a it's it's written by a female author and i feel like i don't know i don't want to be biased but i feel like you can tell (laughs) really okay yes you can the the book is purple and (laughs) no not because the book is purple um but because just certain things that just written and stuff that like not that men can't write beautifully it's just because it's written by a woman about a woman, there's certain sympathies and details that have been picked up that a man probably wouldn't have noticed. Yeah, maybe not. Or it would have been a lot more difficult for him to pick up on. So No, I, I understand what you mean. But you know what? I haven't even read the whole book. And when I just read parts of it, yeah, like I told you, it, it was just like emotional. I don't know why. Um, it's hard to explain. It was just like certain things I was just reading about her characteristics and how the Prophet Sallallahu I think, spoke highly of her. Mm. and how she just was like little details of how the prophet sallam acted um like we're going to go into it uh, i think it's in the second episode part to this mm. like when she died and even like afterwards yeah. how he would recognize certain things even though it was many many years um of her death yeah so i feel like just the way it was written just knowing these little details it just i don't know it just it was just it's it's quite touching. touching yeah, yeah. I think, and the other thing with this book is that I was saying is ve- it's very easy to understand. Like, there are lots of academic Islamic books mm. on history and other stuff that are just so, they're just so difficult to read. A lot of them are translations from Arabic yeah, as well, yeah. which makes them a bit confused, especially if the translation is not very good or have, has just been done to such a high register. Yeah. But I feel like this book is so accessible. Like, I could easily read this book at, like, age 12, I think. Yeah, it... I feel like the way it ha- it was written, it was like a story. Yeah, she's written it like a story. Yeah, like and a fairy tale, basically. When I was reading the book, it did flow like a little book you were probably reading, like, yet, uh, not yet 12, at age 12. Yeah. 
I mean, I think it'd be a wicked gift for like if you have like younger sisters or anything. They probably wouldn't like it though. <laughs> they, I feel like it's one of those gifts they'll come to appreciate they are. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You know when you get a book as a kid and you're just like, oh, please. The soft packages. <laughs> or the, the clothes. Soft packages, yeah. The so clothes. Like, what's in this? When you're feeling it and you can just feel clothes and you're like, oh, for God's sake. But then you're great. You act grateful. Anyways. Oh, you always have to act grateful, man. <laughs> My mum used to be like, even if you get a broken pencil, you have to be get grateful. But I feel like rightfully so. Yeah, rightfully so. But she was saying act it. Yeah. Like outwardly. Like it's the best thing. <laughs> okay. So... Back to who Khadija radiallahu anha was. Okay, so we have to take you back to late 500s AD um, to the city of Mecca, which was a hotspot, really. It was a huge center of trade mm. and travel and many pilgrims would come. But at the time, it wasn't because Islam was the widespread religion. It was because... It was home to many, many idols that mm. people would come and do pilgrimage to. And there was an immense amount of trade, which is actually quite crazy for a city that far into the desert. But that, that stems from that stems from the dua of Ibrahim, salam, you know. What was the dua? So he asked Allah, it comes up in the Quran, but he asked Allah to make this land um, not only a peaceful place, because remember he left his, his wife and his son there. Yeah, but he also asked Allah to to make it a land rich with with imports from everywhere. Mm-hmm. And when you think about it, he was leaving a desert with nothing yeah. at that point. And the du'a of Ibrahim al-Islam, like you can see proof of it to this day. Yeah. If you go to Mecca now, even though like it's a desert and ninety percent of the food you find there is not like native to it you'll find fruits from all over the world yeah you'll find vegetables you'll find i don't even know just different types of foods and it's just stemming from that dua really but subhanallah that dua was answered quite early on when the zenzem came because then remember um caravans used to come yeah so caravans would come and then obviously a place like that could have never have been so sustainable without the zenzem yeah um, so yeah, and then we have Khadija radiallahu anha, who was a massive businesswoman. She used to um, hire men to take her trade and sell her trade, mm-hmm. but the men weren't trustworthy. Most of the time they would swindle her and um, she would pay them, but they would also take a cut from the trade. So yeah. she wouldn't come, uh, she wouldn't get all the money um, from the trade. And that's when Muhammad sallam was mentioned to her. And um, she decided to hire him um, to do the trade. And that's when she realised how um, trustworthy he was. Yeah, because she got all her money back that yeah. time. I feel like what's really inspiring as well is the fact that she was a widow twice. Yeah. And she was still um, providing for her family because she also had kids from mm-hmm. previous marriages. And um, she was a strong businesswoman. Like She was known yeah. to the point where people in Mecca were asking for her hand. Yeah, she wasn't just, she wasn't, even though she had been twice widowed, she was still very much, like... Valuable. Valuable to the society, and the prospects of marrying her were, like, crazy, and loads of men did propose to her, and she just, she didn't, she she wasn't feeling any of them. No. But um, when when the Prophet, 
helped her with her trade and she hired him and she learned more about him. I feel like she fell in love with his characteristics. I think because he was so trustworthy and truthful and the way he handled himself, Mm -hmm. it, it made her more intrigued. Yeah, and it's important to note that this is before he became a prophet, and yeah. this is before he started spreading the message. This was this was really before he was known. Like he was known as the trustworthy one. But that's all he, he was. Known. Yeah, that's what he was known by. And um, they, people just knew him as the shepherd's um, boy or something like that. I read it in the book somewhere. Yeah, that's crazy. So she was older than him, and she was impressed with who he was as a person. Yeah. And so, despite having so many proposals from so many men who were probably a lot more established and richer than yeah. he was, she she actually sought him out through her friend. Yeah, through Nafisa. She, um, she basically went to her friend and decided to tell her that she was interested in Muhammad Sallallahu And um, she was a bit worried because she knew that he was never married before. She's way older than him. Mm. Um, she's got she, kids. She's got kids and she's widowed twice. So yeah. um, she was a bit worried in that sense. And her friend literally said to her, what do you mean? Would he consider marrying you, Khadija? Why, why the best men of Mecca are seeking your hand? Leave it with me. Listen, that friend was a friend. She said, really? Let me go and find you your husband. But you know, I was I was reading something really interesting the other day. Like, it was just a post someone made online. And they were like, that Khadija radiallahu anha, she's always praised for being widowed, mm. being older in the mm. relationship, and proposing to him. Yeah. Because it was a bit odd. Even till now, it's seen odd, a woman proposing yeah. to a man. But even now... Even, even though a lot of people culturally praise that, there are a lot of women in our society who are, who have got similar predicaments in yeah. terms of the fact they've, they're either single mums, or they've been widowed, um, or divorced, or divorced, yeah. or for every reason separated, and for some reason society doesn't value them the same way. No, they're seen as broken. Seen as broken. Seen as not valuable and like the thing with her is she was she was like an enigma men were coming to her to yeah to take uh, to try and marry her because of what she offered yeah and i think that teaches us so many things the first thing is that as a woman you still can make names for yourself the other interesting thing is she didn't it didn't change her in terms of she didn't actually marry any of those men who came to her because they weren't what she was looking for. And so it was like society's views, even though they were positive in her case, they didn't affect her. So I feel like there's a lesson to be learnt that even if society loves you... Mm. It, don't, don't allow their judgment to affect you. Exactly. In any way. Yeah. Because I feel like that's such a big test as well. Imagine like you are such... Like, like you are the it girl, basically, of Mecca. Yeah. And society is coming to you. You've got a lot of power, mm. so that that's quite um, that's quite profound, really. Yeah. So shall I go into how Nafisa brought it up to the Prophet Yes, please do. Okay, so she decided to go and speak to him personally. Okay. And she said to him, "I've come to you with a matter to consider, O Muhammad." She explained, "O Muhammad, what is preventing you from getting married?" 
So she didn't even come first to say, oh, uh, Khadija would like to marry you. She wanted to know a bit more yeah. about his backstory. Uh, Muhammad Sallallahu thought about Nafisa's question and then explained to her that when he had the resources to get married, he would do so. So for so him, he wanted to be a bit more established before he got married. So yeah. I guess like to be able to provide. Yeah. Whatever. Um, yeah. So a man, ha- a man had to be able to feed, clothe, and provide shelter for his wife. So that was his concern. Fair enough. She said, "What if I told you that a woman who is honorable, wealthy, and beautiful wants to marry you?" Nafisa hinted. Mm-hmm. Surprise! Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi scanned his mind to think who that who that person could be. And who would consider him when he had only just begun earning a decent living to stand on his own two feet? At last, I'm reading the book. You know what, guys? Story time. (laughs) It is story time, to be honest. At last, Nafisa revealed to him the person she was thinking of. What if I said that she was Khadija bin Khawailid? Nafisa could see that Muhammad was both startled and pleased to hear the name of Khadija radiallahu anha. He obviously thought very highly of the lady he was employed by, as highly as she regarded him. Muhammad agreed with Nafisa that if Khadija radiallahu anha was happy to marry him, he would be honoured to be her husband, but he wondered how such a match would be arranged. Nafisa then said, leave it to me. Again. She's a real one. She literally was like, listen, you want a proposal to happen? Let me, I'm going to make it work. I will make it work. She made it... And she was so respectful about it and smart. Yeah. Like, she didn't come, oh, da 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 wants to marry you. She wanted to find out, hold on a sec, why are you not married? Because there might be a reason behind it. That's smart. It's smart the way she went through it. And she she ended up saying, I shall see to it that this matter is sorted out immediately. Can we have a little disclaimer? If you're 14 and you're listening to this, we're not saying to send your other 14-year-old best friend oh, to come no. and propose to somebody else. Um, she was an established woman. They yeah. were grown adults, first of all. They were off. grown adults. And the way it was done was very respectfully. And also the fact that she was widowed meant that she um, had different rules in terms of a wali. Did you know um, Abu Talib's sister, Safiya, married Khadija's brother, Awem? No. Abu Talib's sister. Yeah, so his uncle's sister, so Muhammad Salam's aunt, married Khadija's uh, brother, when? So there was already some sort of like yeah. marriage link. Yeah. I see. That's amazing. Like if the friend, if Khadija first off didn't have the guts to mention it to the friend and the friend didn't take it into her own hands. Yeah. Nafisa needs a round of applause because <laughs> that girl's a real one. <laughs> because if they didn't do that, then maybe, Mah- we don't know, but maybe Muhammad Salaam wouldn't have even thought of getting married to Khadija then. I mean, from the sounds of it, he wait, he was waiting to be more established. Yeah. And Allah made a way for him so he didn't have to wait for that point. Yeah. And it just shows that, like, you might have a plan to do something, but Allah's plan will always kind of be... It will always be superior and it will always work out. Especially if... Especially if there's something that you might be making dua for, but you have no clue how it could happen. Yeah. Because I know there's been so many situations where I've just... You know what? Actually, I feel like some of my du'as that I've made when I was like 12, they, like They're small du'as, they come true so so much later. But 
And by that point, like, they were, they were, they might have been quite immature, though. I was not even immature, but they were, like, for such minor things. Yeah. Like, when I was but it's 11. it's important when you were 11. Exactly. Well, when I was 11, I'll give you an example. When I was 11, um, and I started secondary school, I had a brick phone, yeah? <laughs> and my mum was adamant that we're going to have brick phones for as long as we can, at least yeah. till year eight, year nine, because she was like, it's a complete waste of time, etc., etc. And she was just like, oh, like you're not responsible enough for one yet fair mm. enough the girl who sat next to me in register when i started my secondary school had the latest phone out and it was an iphone 5c okay <laughs> the iphone 5c's were like the first Why is like that funny <laughs> the iphone 5c's they're actually i'm looking back at it i'm laughing because it's, it's been years since yeah. they came out you know the colored ones yes and they were matte. I don't. They didn't, they weren't even that nice looking. My looking back, I had a yellow one once upon a time. So the girl next to me, she had a pink one. Oh God! I remember making dua to Allah. Yeah, Allah, I want a pink phone. I really want a pink phone. I I don't know why. I just wanted a pink phone. I didn't specify iPhone. Nothing. They and probably got a pink brick. When I was in year eleven, so fifth year of secondary school. Yeah. Sorry. Um. I think the phone I had broke and I had to buy one second hand or something. And Qadrullah, the one we got, it was a pink it was it was a pink iPhone six, I think. Okay. Okay, so it was an iPhone six. You upgraded and you also got pink. It wasn't an iPhone six, I'm lying. Oh. And it wasn't year eleven. Let me think. No, two things happened. Okay. In year in year nine, I got the iPhone five. Uh, I got the iPhone six. Yeah, and I also got a pink Note three at one point as well. I've been through a lot of phones. Okay, a lot <laughs> of them have been like passed down and whatnot. So I had two pink phones, and I just remember looking at the pink Note three. It was this baby pink uh, Samsung, and it was actually quite a nice phone because it was quite big and it had yeah. the little stylus with it and everything, the pen, and I was just like, why pink? why pink and then i was just thinking this has to be that dua like it was just it was such a small minor thing to me when it happened but do you know what i mean you know what's hilarious you really wanted it when you were like what 11 and when you were like 15 no yeah 13 14 14, and then even 15 when i had the other one yeah you were a bit like hold on why did i even really want this it's but kind the thing of like is, a, I think I made a joke I, in a way. Yeah, I still made. I know. I think I made a point to have sugar for it because yeah. it's the kind of thing that only Allah heard. Yeah, and he was like, "Well, look, you were too little for one then, and maybe, and it probably wasn't the best thing for me to have a smartphone then." Yeah. Okay, you have it. But now. when I got one, you, you got go, like a bonus. You got your pink it. phone. It's like I feel like Allah. He listens to all of your du'as, and remember, a du'a never goes unanswered. So there's three. So yeah. either it's um, answered later on, so yeah. you just have to wait longer. It's answered answered straight away, or you get something better. So mm-hmm. I think it's withheld or something like that, and you get something better. Or you're protected from a, a calamity. So a it calamity. might not be, for example, let's say you make that you want to go on holiday, mm. um, and if you don't end up going, it might be that something could have happened, like the plane yeah. could have crashed. So you were protected. But I swear that comes under the um you would get something better i mean maybe but allah will always compensate you and it's sometimes we don't see the like we barely see the wisdom in a lot of things yeah and someone was explaining this to me i think it was my mom she was explaining this to me and it actually still stuck with me like because i used to i used to have people in my school come to me and say why is there so much suffering in the world like if 
if God oh, exists, yeah, yeah. why is this happening and this happening and this happening? And I was telling my mom, I was like, what can I say back? And she goes, the first thing everyone is completely forgetting is that we're just not on the same level of of thinking and imagining and rationalizing as a law, right? Oh, yeah. But if you think about a child, right? Mm. Like a four-year-old mm. or even a six-year-old, if they ask you for a sweet before dinner and you just say no and you you could even explain to them you can have it after dinner or maybe you don't even want to give them after give them the sweet after dinner because they've had too many they're sweets this week they're not going to see your point of view they're not going to see the rationale all they're seeing is she is she is evil she's a tyrant why am i not getting my sweet there's there's literally no harm that can come from me having my yeah. sweet and i feel like that's that's the way they that's are the seeing. way we are this is a really good comparison this is literally the way we are. We're seeing, oh, earthquake, X and X and Y person passing away and yeah. stuff. And we're just seeing that side of it. But we can never see the bigger picture. And I'm not saying that it's not sad when these things no, happen. No, 100% it's sad. And it's not valid to feel upset when things happen. But we can never understand suffering. And I think that's the first thing. It's about accepting that. We're not in charge for a reason. Yeah. Because we don't have the mental capacity to be in charge. Yeah. And Allah has got such a bigger picture in his, like, it's such a bigger plan that we don't even know. Like, we are not even a speck in it. It's like they say, when we plan, Allah is the best of planners. So we may plan, but Allah's plan is way better than ours. Exactly. And one of the sheikhs I was studying under, he said, it's not befitting to Allah's majesty to say he does what he does because he can because that's implying that he just does it Mm. and like we just established we're not on the same rationing level Allah does things with wisdom and he he does things intently he doesn't just do things because he can Mm. but we don't know that wisdom always yeah and that's what we have to accept I mean that's um, part of tawakal as well like having that trust completely in Allah because we're not going to understand everything we won't but it's like, you know when like you just had that example when, you, uh, let's say, a parent says no to a sweet. We're not going to understand it, but there's probably something, uh, a better reason behind it. Like, the parent might not want their teeth... Their, um, their child's teeth to fall to out, what, maybe like, loads hyper. of different things, but we wouldn't understand it because we're not looking at it through that perspective. And we can't look at it through that perspective at a young age. So it's like having that trust in Allah and yeah. just knowing what he's doing, there's a reason behind it, and it, it is what's best for me. Yeah. And I understand it can be difficult, but it's just like keeping reminding yourself about it. I don't know if you've heard the analogy of the car in terms of tawakkul. Like, if you sat in the car with your mum, mm-hmm. right? And for a lot of people, your mum is the person that you trust the most in this world, yeah. right? Like a safe place, yeah. Yeah, and Allah Allah loves you, what is it, 70 times more than your mother, right? I can't remember the number, but um, it's a lot. It's a lot more, yeah. Yeah, Allah, Allah loves you significantly more than your mother does, and He knows so just you significantly that. better. Um, we'll put the reference in the yeah. in the description. So, if you imagine your mom sat in the car with you, and mm. she said, "Okay, can you just drive down this road?" and she didn't tell you where, she didn't tell you for how long, she didn't give you any explanation. She just said, "Keep driving till I tell you to stop." Yeah. You might be a bit confused, let's be honest. But you'll probably still do it. You'll still do it, and there will not be even one part of you, for most of you, I hope anyway, that will be doubting, like, your safety. Yeah. Yeah? You'll just be like, okay, 
she's she's doing something. She's planning something. Not quite sure what's going on, but yeah, I'll yeah. Try. Like it'll trust. be the last thing to cross your mind that you're not safe. Yeah, and that's how we have to see this life. Allah is driving our life, right? Yeah. He has planned everything. We don't know what's coming, but we need to have more trust in Him than we would have in our mother if she was directing that yeah. car. Because his plan is perfect, yeah, mm-hmm. and he is perfect, yeah, and nothing else I, is. Yeah, exactly. And if we have that trust that he's looking after me, then whatever happens, he's he's the only person. Well, he's the only being who can look after you perfectly. Mm. You know, in saying that, some people might be like, okay, but being tested, like, I feel like they question then, oh, why am I being tested? You, and like why is this happening or whatever if you ha- if I have tawakkal in Allah but I feel like a part of having tawakkal is just understanding that you would be tested as a believer as well you're going to be tested they say that Allah tests the ones he loves yeah I think we have to do a whole different episode on tests because it's such yeah there's a lot to go through with tests it's such a massive one but the more you learn about how much Allah like holds your hand through those tests the more yeah. you you actually love him and I feel like you could take a step a back more. in those tests. Yeah, and I feel like this is shown in um, the story of Khadija as well. The story of Khadija, the story of the Prophet all Sorry, of these so. women, yeah. they were tested a lot. Yeah, the like Sahabas, none of them had it easy. All the prophets, it's crazy. But I feel like with Khadija and Muhammad's relationship as well, they were tested in many ways. Yeah. So the thing with Khadija radiallahu anha is when she married him, then she. She knew he was special. Yeah. But she didn't know why, but she she knew he was special. And he used to go to the cave of Hira, which I was telling Lena earlier that um, when I went on Umrah a few years ago, I visited it. And it's like a good four-hour walk. I mean, it was a half-an-hour taxi ride at best. Mm. And it is far up. And then when you, when you put into perspective the fact that this is Saudi Arabia... Yeah, and it's the desert. Yeah, it's not an easy climb at all, and so he would go there for long periods of time. He would take refuge, and she would pack him. She would pack him food and provisions and stuff, and the people thought it was strange. Yeah, and it's the fact that she still stood by him. And I was literally saying to Layla, nowadays, wives and husbands, not like even just like friends, I feel like let yeah. alone wife, a wife and a husband, if they were to do something crazy like that, they would be like, "What are you doing? Like, are you alright?" I mean, it, it's. But it's the fact that she just, I feel like she just trusted and yeah. just accepted Muhammad as how he was and what he was doing. No matter how other people thought or yeah. what they may have thought of. Like, I'm not going to lie, you would hear it and you'd probably think, why? Why? That's like a whole journey. If, like, if your husband was going to the mountains for a long time, you'd for several like, huh? days. Sorry, people, people don't even have patience if their husband stays at work for an hour longer. Yeah. But... Imagine, he's not even the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi yet. Because a lot of people yeah. might be like, oh yeah, but he's the Prophet of Allah. She doesn't know this yet. He didn't know this as well. He doesn't know this yet either. She just knows, my husband is a good man. He's a special man. And this is what he needs to do. And she supported him. And I feel like, as as women in the lives of our brothers, uncles, um, dads, dads, granddads, granddads, sons, whatever it may be, yeah. I think it just shows a lot about how being supportive really plays a big role and we'll get into it more next episode how she really 
proved herself yeah in being his support and being his rock when he needed her the most yeah and, and what an amazing person she really was yeah so much so that even after she passed away for years and years her legacy never yeah. it never died and Muhammad said said never it's got awesome. over it he never got over it and he never stopped loving speaking her. well about her and, and loving, loving her. her well with that being said stay tuned inshallah and we hope to continue this next episode. Assalamu alaikum. <laughs>